How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. Okay, so let's get to today's episode. I am really pleased to welcome Justin Christensen from Conversion Fanatics onto the call. Justin is the best-selling author of the book, Conversion Fanatic, How to Double Your Customers' Sales and Profits with A-B Testing, and is a 13-year veteran of digital marketing, having worked on hundreds of profitable campaigns. He's a self-proclaimed numbers junkie, which I'm the exact opposite of, with a firm belief that the numbers don't lie. And with that, I do agree with him. I just wish I had a love of numbers like he did. Uh, He has a knack for finding holes in marketing campaigns and offering simple solutions to quickly plug them, effectively approving the results. And he's an avid student of marketing and business. He believes that you must continue to improve daily in order to stay ahead and succeed. And with that, I could not agree more. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brad, for having me. Yeah, glad I'm, to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. This is a this is an episode or this is a topic we haven't really ever dove in and discussed, and it'll be interesting to talk about some of these things because there, I know a lot of my followers and listeners ha- are in different areas of of business. So some of them are salespeople, and some of them are consultants, and some of them are e-commerce folks and info product owners. So we get we've got a pretty wide variety of types of um, uh, business owners here, but I think the one thing that they all probably have is a website, and they can probably all relate to the need to convert more visitors into either prospects or sales or something like that. So I really kind of wanted to find out a little bit more about what's working today in the world of conversion. What are some of the changes that you've seen happen? What are some of the best practices? And um, you know the, the the subtitle of the show is sizzling hot business <laughs> ideas. Uh, if there's anything you, you can share with us that it really is working, and you're like, you know, we've seen we've done a lot of tests. We we think this will work. But before we dive into that, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, helping business owners with website conversion. Well, I started back uh, 2002-ish um, in network marketing, actually, and figured out very quickly that it wasn't for me. <laughs> Right. Um, moved, found uh, internet marketing and affiliate marketing, um, found some success there and went full time with my business in 2005 and then became partners in a company that I was number one affiliate for. And we grew it to, I think, just shy of nine million in revenue. Um, I sold it back to my business partners and moved into consulting. But everything I kept getting asked about was the implementation and the optimization. Everybody knew they were needed to split test but they didn't have the technical gumption to do it or they didn't have the time. And I just fulfilled that because I had some technology standpoint of the actual implementation of the pages and the actual tests. So it was basically came out of demand. And then, you know, my business partner, Manish Punjabi. But yeah, sure do. I, we were both doing the same thing privately and we'd been friends for seven or eight years and we decided just to play off our strengths and formalize it. And then Conversion Fanatics was born a couple of years ago. That's great. So what kind of business owners do you typically 
uh, or you know business and website owners do you typically work with? Because I know that um, you know there's physical product e-commerce is sometimes a little bit different than information product uh, mm-hmm. sales, etc. So talk about maybe some of the differences there as well as who you typically what do you have a sweet spot? Well, we find ourselves working with a lot of e-com or software as a service companies. So a lot of physical goods, we've got a handful of supplement clients that just seem to be attracting to us um, recently. Okay. Um, We were just talking about one offline here that's a physical product, a a well-known one that actually came to us, which it's too early to mention names. But um, so, yeah, we're... We kind of dabble in a little bit of everything. We have a strong info background, um, but we actually find that we don't do a ton of work in the info space because um, most of those people are, I, I don't want to you know bash it because I come from it, but they expect miracles overnight. Oh, so yeah. they're a little bit more difficult to work with in terms of an optimization plan um, because tests take time. Yeah, they really do, and it's uh, also in the info space. There's it's usually just sales letter or webinar or video sales letter, and there's a handful of things that you can do to make those a lot better. But I can see how in the world of SaaS and physical product e-commerce, there's so many variables. There's so many, and as I'm finding out with my uh, with my e-commerce company, there's so many things to pay attention to. And an e-commerce store is it's not just a a singular line that you just come in and watch the VSL and then buy. It's um, it's a lot more intricate. So that's cool. So let's talk about some of the things that you know. You you brought this up earlier. How one of the things that uh, you're able to bring to the table that a lot of conversion consultants are not is that you do have a strong background in both. So let's talk about some of the ways that that helps you get better results? How do you bring some of the best practices in in info direct response to something like SaaS or e-com? Well, it, it all comes down to the basics. I mean, people only buy for really two reasons, and that's to, avo- to avoid pain or gain pleasure. And in the direct response, like info world, we rely heavily on copy. So in the copywriting skill to engage in that emotion, really drive the message and we've found that in e-commerce and in software as a service, they don't necessarily play on those elements. They try to lead more with the features of the product yep. rather than how it's going to help them and what benefit they're going to get and what they're, you know, the time savings, the whatever the big benefit is, they don't lead with it. They just say, hey, here's my stuff. Buy it. Here's Here's all these cool features. But nobody cares about the features at the end of the day. Right. You know, it, it's funny. Like, I've had to rein myself in on on uh, hours because I, I have written a lot of the copy. And I want, I want to write a lot. And I have to f- <laughs> remember that, okay, you can write more than the standard person does, but don't overdo it. But mm-hmm. then again, they say the more you tell, the more you sell. And sometimes people really want that. So, But I've, I've definitely brought that side to our business uh, but I know exactly what you mean. There's so much room for you know doing better copy. I think I read that when Groupon started, uh, and one of the keys to their success, I think it was Groupon, they hired comedy writers huh. to to write their their Groupon posts. It was either Groupon or I'm almost 
positive as Groupon because they had really good writing. And there was an, it may have been another one that I'm confusing it with, but I'm uh, pretty sure it was that. Or it was AppSumo because I know AppSumo had uh, some amazing writing on there. And they spent a yeah, that's, you know what, I'm 99% sure it was AppSumo, but they, the writing they did was hilarious. Talk, but they're talking about physical products, but they, they really mm-hmm. engaged you. So it was that kind of that marriage. So that's awesome. What are some of the things that, some of the biggest conversion mistakes that you see people making? Oh, I mean, time. that's like, yeah, we got six hours to talk about those. Yeah, well, if I would have to boil it down to a couple. Um, what, is... are the, what are the most glaring that are probably the most universal mistakes that um, that folks make? And don't say um, like, oh, well, they just talk about features and not benefits, right? Because you mentioned that and I get it. But is there anything else like, especially, uh, let's just talk to the e-commerce and, and software as a salespeople for now. Okay, so one of the big thing is no focus. They tend to come up with a bunch of crazy test ideas, and we can do that all day long. Um, I mean, I help critique your e-com store, and I can come up with ideas all day long. I critique sites all week, but you need to really create an exact hypothesis to why you're testing certain things. And what the expected outcome is. So you have to have a reason behind your test, not just that, oh, a green button is going to increase your conversions. Why are we testing a green button versus a blue one or an orange one for just simple examples? Mm-hmm. And you just have to look at the data and let that be the driver and then support it with some best practices to drive it. So when we start out with a client, sometimes they'll say, oh, we need all of these test ideas. We have all of these things we want to test. But it never just goes, we're going to test this first, this second, this third. We use the data to be the driver. So I think the biggest fall off is people just testing randomly rather than having an, ex- an exact reason why they're going to need to be testing something and what's the expected outcome. And then learn from those, whether it be a losing variation or not, and learn from it and expand on it. Because we've had situations where we get a losing variation, but we see it showed promise early on. So we'll come back and revamp that test and then come out with a winner um, just based on that information. So we let the data be the driver. And I think more companies need to do that when creating their optimization plan. Yeah. And that's hard to do, especially when a lot of the founders of a company uh, are their their minds don't work exactly like that. Right. Like they mm-hmm. we, like, and myself is one. Uh, I do love conversion optimization. I love looking at it. I hate implementing it because it takes so much scientific time, uh, discipline in order to do this. I can, I'm the guy who comes up with a whole bunch of potential ideas, throws them at the wall or drives somebody crazy to say, here, go implement all these. And mm-hmm. it does take a different mindset. It takes somebody who is looking at the page through the consumer's eyes, which is really hard to do when you are which is why I'm a big proponent of people hiring external conversion consultants because when you are in your business all day long and you're looking at your website uh, you've got your website up you know you're looking at five ten times a day if not more and your customers looking at it maybe once in their entire life you're seeing different things than they are so you as a consultant and any outside eyes can see things that the owner can't um, what has been when you sit down, this this may be a hard question to answer, but is there one thing you like to test first on um, 
on a page, let's say you come across a decent page, where where do you even know where to start on um, on a test? I mean, it probably depends on you know what they've got and what they're working with, but do you kind of have a rule of thumb? Um, yeah, but we actually back it up with heat and click maps too. Right. So we'll look and see what people are paying attention to to kind of find those leverage points. But if I were to pick absolutely one thing, it's always headline. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. I guess that's true everywhere because that's what the first thing they're probably gonna read. Yeah, it's the first thing. It's the most engaging. If you come to a site and it's got a bunch of crazy movement and you're throwing offers at them, and you really don't state your USP really quickly and what the key benefit is of your product or service, you're going to lose them. So studies have shown that in a normal conversation, you have seven or eight seconds to keep the attention of the person you're talking to. Whereas online, you have less than three. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've heard stories of people paying 1500 plus dollars just for 16 words. Wow. But those 16 words make a huge difference. Yeah, we've had tests where we've shown 50, 60, 125% improvements just by changing the headline. Wow. You know, that, that, brings, up a, that brings up a question specifically for e-commerce, maybe, you know, SaaS as well, just not, not info. So, for instance, with Stiletto, um, I, I, have a, I have a very small headline and it's not even as, it's not a big benefit headline driven thing. However... Um, and I and I actually plan on running various different tests on this. In something that is like an e-commerce shop, are would you say that the best way to test the effectiveness of that is it change the headline and then see which like version A, version B. We'll keep it real simple, and then whichever one buys like leads to a sale. Or are there little other intermediate steps that you can do to measure the um, effectiveness of the headline? Because especially if somebody comes to your the main part of you know your main shop root domain, the main site, they may, they may look around here, left, right, and they may have left the um, they may have left the headline a while back, and then they decide to buy. So the headline, you know, there's a big gap between the headline and the sale. Is that one of the ways you would test a headline on like an e-commerce store, or you maybe test two different headlines, which one has the lowest bounce rate, or which one has the you know, the most pages viewed after that. So do you use different metrics based on things like that? Yeah, we we try to look at an e-commerce situation as baby steps down to the end goal. So we look from the starting point where the most visitors are going, could be your homepage, and we try to get click-throughs to the next page. So get them to the next step. Is it your shop now? Is it your find out more information? Is it whatever that next step is? That's usually what we measure first because you're pushing them further down into the actual sales process. Cool. I'm glad you and said you that because that's exactly what I was thinking as well. Like, okay, well, is it just yeah, one little headline to sale? Well, yeah, you never know because you can have so few sales. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a comparison, you know, hell, if 99% of the people leave your page, you're not. It's taken a while to get a lot of data on that. But I'm glad I'm glad you confirmed that for me. That's that's really cool. What are, um, if you can kind of reach back into your uh, memory there, what are some of the biggest surprises or, uh, you know, notable tests that you've done that have been like really fun, like maybe unexpected winners or 
just some of the tests that you've you've run for clients where it's been a huge outperformer, like, oh man, we did this and it just crushed it. Is there anything that comes um, to mind? One big one was the, probably the simplest test we've ever ran. I like <laughs> that. A client had add to bag as their main call to action. Mm-hmm. And we changed it to cart and it saw an 82% increase in their sales. Wow. That's, um, see, you know what? I love, this is why I have a love-hate relationship with conversion. My love, The thing I love is that you can make simple changes like that and double your, double your business. But what mm-hmm. I hate is that there's so many little variables that can be interlinked and you never quite know what is going to do it. Like I may have thought of a million other things besides that. Mm-hmm. And that's why it really, it's an art and a science, right? There is no, you know, paint by numbers, just do this and you'll be success. You you have to have somebody who really gets it. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. We usually look at the main kind of five elements, regardless of the campaign we're looking at is, you know, your headline, your sub headline, your call to action. Are you telling them what to do? The button copy to make that, to emphasize the call to action stating the benefits clearly, usually using bullets, um, because nobody likes to read typically, especially in an e-commerce scenario, Mm -hmm. and then leverage it via proof. I don't see enough proof being used. In In the info space, we rely heavily on testimonials. Yeah, In in the e-com space or even the software as a service space, they don't leverage them nearly enough. Yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed that. Um, what about what about the uh, on the testimonials? Have you found that longer or shorter testimonials work better? Um, it varies case by case. Yeah. Sometimes it's the written one with an image. Sometimes an image decreases conversion. Um, we had one particular case, and I actually spoke at an event in November, and I was uh, putting people through. I was highlighting the winner and in my PowerPoint slide and bringing it out, and then I got to the this company was testing logos. Um, of some of their clients. It was a software as a service company and they had five main ones and we added five more thinking more better, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. And um, adding five additional logos actually decreased their conversions 89%. Whoa. Once so, more. Once more. Things I love about this business. Things I hate about this business. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's just crazy when you see that kind of thing. So we played a lot with the variations and mixing it up, whether mm-hmm. video is better. Um, and you got to pay close attention to mobile traffic because video isn't always effective on mobile since it brings it up full screen and you lose all of the other sales elements. Right. Um, do you typically, yeah. I, I want to rabbit trail over there, uh, mobile. So mobile conversion versus uh, desktop or whatever de- conversion is a, I mean, that's a whole nother animal. We could probably do an entire show just on mobile conversion. But for for that, do you, A, suggest that a good responsive theme is enough, or do you suggest people having a mobile, uh, a mobile version of their site that detects and redirects to something mobile? I'm always a big fan of keeping it simple. Yep, so... Responsive is nice. my way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because then if you have a full mobile site, then you've got to maintain two, you've got to optimize two. I'm so glad um, you said this, by the way. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen it and you can do obviously some mobile variations. And what we do is we always pay attention to that. So we'll mock up 
um, a desktop version and a mobile version to make sure the layout is effective in our tests. And we've had one situation, and you got to keep in mind on mobile, especially in e-commerce, people are used to scrolling. Yeah. Desktop, they're not. It's not as much. So we won. I mentioned that test earlier where we revamped it. We It was in a mobile scenario where we they had all of their options on their their product page collapsed. So you had to click and then choose, click and then choose. And we expanded all of them and it showed promise early on, but then it ended up losing just by a few percent. So we revamped it and just highlighted the main key areas and we increased their conversions on mobile 30%. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Are you Are you finding that what percentage of people are typically purchasing on mobile versus on desktop? Are you finding it's like 10% or of all purchases? It really comes down to your traffic sources. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stores that are, you know, driving traffic and getting a lot of mobile traffic, but then they come to find out that the people are actually, you know, bookmarking it or saving it and then coming back on desktop and making a purchase. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit... But where, where the purchases actually happen... Um, where they're in, entering their credit card. I mean, I've seen in other businesses that I've run or consulted on that it's really low. I just I didn't know if you had a. You um, know. we've seen as high as seventy percent of people come on mobile. Really, and match to make a purchase. Really, are you? But it really depends on the product or the service. Are you uh, noticing any difference between people who purchase like if they're doing it on mobile? If most of them are doing like PayPal or pay with Amazon versus just you know rent you know entering their credit card in um we usually try to optimize the forms for mobile so okay. we make it easy for them to check out via credit card right on Are, is um, apple but pay it, it kind of varies whatever you have is apple you know, pay doing mobile like can you pay with apple pay on websites and stuff like that now um we haven't done any integrations either. yeah i think it's still early I, it, it'll be really interesting when uh, they've got it to where you're just paying for stuff with your thumbprint yeah, that's what they're moving towards. Yep. Oh, man. Talk about good and bad. Bad for us as consumers because we'll be broke. <laughs> it's too easy to buy stuff. But, um, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, somebody doing e-com who is, you know, you, you get them on their mobile, and if you can get that impulse buy with a thumbprint, that'll be amazing. Um, what about what well, you tell me what what else is really working what what else are you doing that you're kind of excited about or what are what are some other things that people can take away from here and maybe even uh, apply to their own site well the biggest thing is just lead your visitors down and hold them by the hand to the end goal mhm and i don't see that nearly enough i mean like i said i've i've probably critiqued 10 sites this week nice already and it's it's just the same thing. It's the same song and dance every single time. It's like you're not leading with your benefits. You're not holding them by the hand. The first page might have a blue button, and then the next page has an orange one. And then you, you're confusing them by having too many orange buttons and not emphasizing the actual you know add to cart or the checkout buttons. And just making that process as simple as possible. I looked at one yesterday, and they had seven steps to check out. Oh, wow. So we find that you, if you can keep it down to three steps, mm-hmm. especially in e-commerce, the better off you're going to be. Yep, more chances to lose them. Are, 
Are there any sites that you can or care to share that either A, have been clients of yours that you've worked on and like particularly proud of the optimization you've done there, or any other sites that maybe you they aren't clients but you really like? You're like, oh yeah, this is some this is somebody who's just dialed it in as a great example. If you have those, I'd love to share them in the show notes so people can and myself included can just kind of take a look at you know what's a what's a really good high converting website that either you've worked on or you like. Yeah, one that has it really dialed in in the software as a service space is Live Plan. Oh, see, I've never heard of them. Um, they're a business plan software. I've been trying to get in with them for two years. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I kind of use them as an example of our perfect client. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like it. I'm on their website but, here. Um, they have a ton of traffic and some just some great, great marketing effectiveness in getting people through. They test a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems they test a lot because it's ever-evolving. Um, as far as ones that we've really worked on is they actually, I don't know if they're really in existence anymore because I think they sold mm. but uh, Beauty Box 5 Beauty Box 5. And number 5 I think their site's still active but we worked on that for well over a year and we actually saw 1650% growth in sales for them Really? That's yeah. nice Yeah, I pulled it up, it looks like a nice site I don't know if this is the stuff that you've done but it's a, it's a very nice site you know, one of the things that I've repeated many times because I heard it, I don't know if it was from Mech Labs or from, um, oh, who else was it? It was a, it was a, it doesn't matter, but saying that the kind of the three questions to ask yourself when, you know, looking at your own website is this, is the same questions that subconsciously the customer is asking themselves, which is, where am I? What can I do here, and why should I do it? Have you heard mm-hmm. the Have you heard that before? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, what's it What's it going to do for me, and how do I get it? Yeah, is what I boil it down to almost always. Yeah, and the um, what What I liked about that those three questions is you, at the in the very first time, if I come there and I'm confused, like where am I? Because when they land on your website. It's a, it's a new site. They're a little bit confused. If it's like you said, if it's all over the place, if they don't know what this is, then you've you've already lost them. Don't make me think. Um, and then, yeah, what can I do here? Or oh, you can either buy something, or if it's free, or here's what it does for you. And then the last one being, yeah, well, why should I do it? And that's where your copy points come in. Um, so whenever I've done my own conversion optimization, I try to kind of keep those three things in mind. Am I confusing the client? Do they? Am I am I trying to be too? Um, coy with them and try to hook them into a video sales letter or or something else that you know is not going to reveal where they are and uh, th- that's always worked well for me it does and one thing we do in um, especially in software as a service is remove those distractions remove that clutter so in info we typically have watch the VSL here's your one add to cart button and that's your path Whereas software as a service, they might have, oh, sign up for a free trial, get a demo, download this white paper, join this webinar. Um, And they try to pull people in too many directions. And as soon as we remove that distraction and put emphasis on the main KPI or that that indicator, that, that step that you want, that desired action you want them to take is when conversions increase. Right. Have you, have you found that many of the, um, uh, the sites that you work with, e-commerce, SaaS, etc., 
that they're typically driving their traffic to their homepage versus an individual product page? It's kind of a mix. I would mm-hmm. say the majority are driving to home. Okay. Which it, it, is kind of scary. Yeah. Um, for the fact that if they're shopping for something specifically, right, and they're entering a certain keyword in a search field and they're looking for an ad and they're clicking on an ad, they should be taking, taken to that category page or at least a specific landing page. And that's one of the areas we help companies improve is we'll help them break out their traffic into different buckets and help streamline it to get to that end goal faster. Nice. Yeah. And that's important. Like you say to kind of realize, well, if if the customer is typing in, they are looking for a, um, you know, a blue widget that does X, Y, Z. If you're, if you've got ads, like just in Google, you should send them to your blue widget page as opposed to your homepage. Uh, But if somebody is just looking for, uh, you know, whether they're following you on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, and they're they're not absolutely you know they're not in that place where they're shopping for a specific product. Sending them to your main homepage may be the best best thing to do. So I guess it, like you said, it kind of depends on the mindset of the customer, how you're getting them, at what point in the shopping cycle are they? Yeah, and I think it comes down to a lot of brand equity too. Yeah, um, I was looking at two sites yesterday: Weight Watchers and uh, Jenny Craig. Mm-hmm. Two pretty big brands, especially yep. now that Oprah took over Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they drive all of their search traffic to their home pages. Yeah. Well, and maybe they're, but like you said, they've got so much brand equity. Mm-hmm. People know who they are, so they're like, all right, get here. We are now going to uh, take you in the right direction. Yeah, it's a, it's a, shorter sales cycle because they don't need to be educated on exactly who this company is. They see the TV ads, they see all of this other stuff, and they just need to know where to buy. Exactly. So we talked briefly about this before we started recording, but uh, hero shots for my listeners, a hero shot, you're starting to see these a lot more around the web, which is where when you come to the website, there's a huge picture or video like right up front, and it's um, and there's minimal... There's like on Weight Watchers, they've got a great hero shot. Join free and lose 10 pounds, and then here's a button. And then you really have to scroll down to get to where you're going. And like we mentioned, you know, most people don't scroll. When you do a heat map, you're probably losing 50% of the people just never scroll down. Are you a fan of hero shots? Uh, No hero shots? Does it just depend? What's your take? Um, I like to be able to see something. I try to maximize above the fold of the page. Yeah. Essentially. And I'm a fan of the big images, but you have to be effective with the images and the images actually do matter tremendously Yeah, on what you use. So I try to maximize that, making sure you have a strong headline, a call to action. And like in the e-commerce world, if you do it right below that image where you can still see it above the fold of the page, we like to do best practices there or um, best sellers. Okay, so like the the hero shot, and then right beneath it, you put like the like the actual products and call them bestsellers. Yeah, bestsellers, and I usually we found in e-commerce that across the board, people love bestsellers. Hmm. Um, we had one particular case where we saw like a forty some percent increase in actual sales just by highlighting bestsellers in the menu. Yeah, it shows you how little people want to think. Mm-hmm. They just want, um, you know, tell me what the best sellers are. I'll buy those. 
Yeah, and one other thing, especially in, in e-com where you have multiple SKUs and you could go in so many different directions, we found it effective to, to leverage a pop-up on, on desktop to basically ask them a short survey. What, what, what are you here for, mm. <laughs> basically, and lead them down the path, let them choose the radio button, click next, and take them to that product page or that category page. I like that. You know, the especially when it comes to e-com, um, from what I've seen, most of the uh, effective pop-ups, they, they say, you know, it's hard to beat. Just enter your email here for 10% off. Yeah. Right. So they say that's hard to beat. But I like what you're saying too, because to me that immediately, I just don't like that. It immediately discounts the value of your product and it just, it doesn't feel the way it should when you walk into a store. You don't walk into a store and the greeter, you know, the greeter says, hey, let me know if I can help you with anything. Are you looking for something? They don't walk up to you immediately and say, hey, give me your business card and I'll give you 10% off. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe that works. Maybe in the end of the at the end of the day, they get more more um, customers, but or more money. I don't know, but I agree with what you were saying, and I like that. So you're it's it's coming up on the especially on the homepage. Just reiterating what you said, and it just ask them a question. You know, what are you here for today? Are you here to shop for widgets or thingamajigs? Um, yeah. Are you just are you looking for more education? Are you looking to to buy now? I mean, is it questions like that? Yeah, it's just if you have multiple categories, say you're um, a clothing outfit and you have men's and women's and shoes and all sorts of different things, ask them, are you a man or a woman? You know, a simple question and then lead them into shopping for men. And Hmm. then you can actually do things in optimization with personalization to where you now know they're a man. So you can you don't ever have to show them anything ever again having to do with women's clothing. Mm, yeah, that's smart. I like that. So all of the messaging will be catered around. You can even change your homepage based on that info just to show them men's products. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you work with people? So one of the things I can definitely see everybody out there who's running any kind of a traffic to a website and trying to get sales you know especially once you get some traction should be working i think with a conversion expert because there's too much money being left on the table if you don't and how, but it can also be very intimidating it can be like um how much of this are you going to just tell me to do a whole bunch of stuff and i have to do it do you guys implement stuff on your side what's it look like to work with conversion fanatics um we take care of 98% of the heavy lifting mhm Okay, so, so explain what that means. Um, Somebody's got a website, so, and they're like, yeah, I want I want you guys to – what's your 98%? Uh, um, so we take care of basic design in relation to the test, front-end development, implementation, management of the tests, um, pushing winners live in some cases, mm-hmm. uh, as well as advisement and reporting. Okay, that's so great. that's not the intimidation factor. We kind of take that off the plate. Um, of our customers because they don't have the bandwidth necessarily to be testing it. Maybe they don't even have the expertise, but they want it done. So we've kind of built out our company to help alleviate all of those problems. Nice. Now, do you use uh, custom or other types of like visuals, like visual website optimizer, any of the other types of um, uh, split testing programs to run some of these tests with or... 
Um, our go-to platform is Optimizely. Okay, yeah, I've used that before. Um, we're certified partners with them. Uh, great, we've tested pretty much every platform out there. Yeah. Um, but we're not necessarily biased. Obviously, we want to use Optimizely where we can, but we don't try to reinvent the wheel. So we'll use whatever our clients have in in play. Yeah, like if they have if they have Visual Website Optimizer, you guys can work with that. If they aren't using anything, you direct them towards what you know best. Yeah, we, we, we use VWO, we've used convert.com, mm-hmm. we've used Adobe Test and Target, we've used Monetate, mm-hmm. we've used all of these different tools, but our whole point is speed of implementation. Yep. So if we're waiting around to sign up for a new service and we're trying to implement new code and do quality checks and do all of that stuff, it just delays optimization. Yeah. So And we don't ever want to hold our visitors or our clients' data hostage. Mm-hmm. So we want to work within what they're currently working with. That makes sense. At what point uh, should a business owner reach out to you? Like, when does it make sense? If if somebody's got a certain level of revenue, a certain level of traffic, does it? You know, what is the what's the kind of the minimum viable client that you guys want to work with? Um, they get a hundred thousand unique visitors a month. Okay. They're spending ten thousand dollars a month on ads mm-hmm. or more. Um, usually we kind of fall into the range of probably five to twenty million in revenue. Okay. We've worked we've worked all the way up to two hundred million. But nice. that's kind of our sweet spot. Okay. So if um yeah, so if somebody isn't necessarily doing five million but they've got a hundred thousand Clicks or spending ten thousand a month or doing that kind of stuff. That's they can you know they should still feel free to contact you, right? Absolutely. Okay. Do you? Yeah, off- and it's, it's it's case by case basis a yeah. lot of times. I mean, I just had a company this morning. Their software as a service company. They only had fifty thousand unique visitors a month. Um, but it's it just takes a little bit longer to test. Is the only right? Yeah, question. that's the biggest problem. Is uh, yeah, it's one thing to hire somebody that. You know, to, to work on your stuff, but if you've got no real traffic, then it's not, you're not going to be able to. All your tests in the world is going to, you know, kind of fall silent. The um, on, on the survey that I asked you before we jumped on the call, I said, you know, what's another tactic that's kind of working? Is this what you were talking about? You mentioned that it's uh, taking the normal long forms, the full record, and breaking it up to more survey style with one question at a time. You said that uh, that is. Is that what you were just mentioning a minute ago? Um, that could be part of it, mm-hmm. but in even in any other scenario, obviously, we know from the info spaces, most times email only is what you get. Yeah. Um, but some people ask for more, like a questionnaire, basically. Yeah. You know, seeing a lot of the for coaching and things like that, they're using you know these questionnaires, mm-hmm. and we were driving a lot of traffic from PPC to a page like that. It had about 10 or 12 questions on the form and we just weren't getting the results we were looking for. So we broke it up asking one question at a time, just using survey monkey. Yep. And we saw almost an 1100% increase. Oh, wow. Are you able, is that one, is that a, is that a website you're able to divulge who it is or is there a little confidentiality there? Well, it was my site. Oh, nice. Was, was that just conversion fanatics? Yep. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm there right now. So if I click get in touch, is that? Um, you might see one of a okay. dozen different things. Well, I see one, <laughs> yeah. Probably do 
Anyway, I've got a question on this. I see this all the time. Big companies do this. It drives me nuts because I think that they're leaving so much money on the table, but then I'm like, well, they got so much money, maybe they know what they're doing. Um, a lot of times it's a SaaS business where exactly like what you just said, um, they're running a they're running a, a Google ad directly to sign up for our, you know sign up for this demo and enter in basically everything like from name to address to yeah. phone number and you know they stop short of date of birth and social security number and stuff like that but they ask for so much to run a to to give you what's called just a demo or just to even find out more about the uh, about the product what's your opinion on those do, do they actually work and I'm I'm just crazy no. uh, in most cases they're just trying to heavily filter who comes in the door yeah but we have found even working in software as a service where you try to test with the least amount of fields that you can get by with yeah and we've run a lot of trials and demos mm -hmm. and it's always comes down to basically your name your email address and your phone number and maybe company yeah so you know who you're dealing with. I just know that phone number is always the most intimidating one for people, myself included. 99% of the time, I will put in a fake number. Just like, let me just see what you've got before I allow you to call me. Uh, so I, though I do understand how that filters out people who aren't serious, because if they are serious, they'll put mm -hmm. in their phone number to be called. But uh, these days, I think more people are weary of the phone number than ever before. Yeah, and we pulled it out. Our one software as a service client, they have like 80 plus salespeople. Okay. So they, we tested removing the phone number. They said, well, let's test it and see what we get, pushing people into a free trial. And then it increased conversions probably 25%. Mm -hmm. But then their salespeople got mad because they didn't have phone numbers. So right. they ended up having to add it back in and test around it. Right. Okay. Um, I've always, yeah, I've always wondered about that, especially when it comes to where they are in the buying cycle. Like I may just be – I may Google something like, I don't know, best contact management, CRM software. And then I go to a page and it's just uh, – there's no menu on it. There's – all I can do is sign up for a demo of this. I'm like, no, dude. I'm just looking around. I don't even know what your features are. I'm not going to give you my phone number and all this other stuff. So I've always thought that those companies could be doing so much better. Yeah, and just sometimes it's a two-step process. Yeah, it is. And yeah. that works extremely well in some cases too. Nice. You mentioned SurveyMonkey. Have you ever have you ever come across typeform.com? Top form? No, yeah, typeform. It's a survey typeform? tool. T Y P E F O R M. It's a really beautiful um, like survey tool. Really like really really rich. Looks amazing on mobile. Anyway, you may want to look at that, especially if you're currently using things like SurveyMonkey, but pretty versatile. I've used that a lot. So what is a what's a nut you're trying to crack right now in your business or a bottleneck, you know, in the growth of conversion fanatics? You you've been helping us, you've been letting us know uh things that we can do. What are some things that myself or my listeners can help do for you? Obviously if if anybody likes what you have to say and may fit the criteria, they're free to reach out to you and see if working with you is a good thing. But, you know, what about the growth of your own business? Well, um, one of our biggest problems or areas right now is just been keeping up with the growth in terms of manpower. Right. 
Um, we basically doubled our business in the last two and a half months. Oh wow, um, that's quite a that's quite a lot of growth in a short amount of time. Yeah, uh, we grew 150 percent last year. Um, so it's uh, really just finding A plus talent. Okay, what and kind of talent are you looking just, for right now? Is there any particular uh, positions or skill sets that you're looking for? Um, we're looking for a conversion analyst, somebody who can help create test ideas right now. That's our, we've been trying to hire for that for two months. How much experience do they have to have in that area? Um, just understand how the game works. Nice. Is pretty much it. I like it. <laughs> um, and can pick out stuff just at a glance. Mm-hmm. Just understand how conversion optimization works. Um, we're actually interviewing somebody after this call, but, um, and then we're we're hiring for a front end developer too right now, mm-hmm. which we've got a bunch of different candidates in there. But in terms of that, that isn't really that's really our biggest uh, and one area we've been not I wouldn't say really struggling with, but we've been very picky. Oh, nice. At because we know what it looks like to hire you know a B or a C player versus yeah, it's an hard. A player. Yeah, it's really hard. Hiring is an area that I it's on my list to get a lot better at this year just in general and it's not just hiring quickly because I've always been the type to hire fast and fire slow which is the exact opposite of what you should do because I yeah. hate the recruiting process so much like I have yeah, something I need painful. to have oh yeah I have something I need to be done can't I just close my eyes open them and then the perfect person is sitting in front of me why doesn't that happen but um, while you get lucky yeah absolutely and it's uh, it's the key to making it you know, really last bootstrapping. I'm a big fan of bootstrapping when you need to, but bootstrapping people, you you often get what you pay for. So, that's, uh, yeah. yeah, we found that out tremendously. Yeah, and uh, I, I I've come to the evolution in my career where I would rather, if I feel as though you are the right person, I would rather pay more, and then figure out later that you weren't, rather than pay really cheaply, and and then you know, and then find out that you weren't the right person, right? So one of them, I've saved a little bit of money on uh, not paying you as much, but I've lost so much in opportunity cost in not having yeah, for sure. somebody better in there. So that's probably a topic for an entire another episode of you know the podcast that I could go into. So if people want to get more information on you, the website is conversionfanatics.com, plural. Yep, conversionfanatics.com is plural. Uh, you can find information about the book. Yeah, so that's um, the thing is even if you people can't uh, afford or they're not in a place to hire you right now, you've got a great book where they can get some information about all the stuff they're saying so they can implement it themselves and then get to the point where they, you know, it makes sense to hire you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, when I set out to write the book, it took me over a year to write it because uh-huh. I didn't want to fluff it at yeah. all. It's just not just a, it's not just a glorified business card. No, it was. I really wanted to put some meat into it and some real tangible stuff that you could execute on, right? Um, and as well as some theory and stuff behind it. But um, yeah, it took me a while to write it and put it together. But so yeah, I hope people enjoy it. That's great. Now I look forward to reading it, you know, myself and uh, putting a handful of the things into, you know, effect. Uh, Justin, man, this has been. This has been great. By the way, for my listeners, if you like this, I've got a special treat for you. So 
Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my wife and I are the owners of StilettoCoffee.com. And I, uh, a couple things, I'll give you a coupon code if you guys want to try it out here in just a second. But if you are interested in in uh, seeing Justin in action, I had him give me a critique on my website, and he did it on the um, on on video screen. He pulled it up, and then he went to YouTube and he put it on a private link. And Justin, if you don't mind, if people want to come to my page and if, when they sign up for my newsletter on the page, I'm gonna unlock this and let anybody who wants to view that. Do, do you have any problem sharing your critique of my site with them? No problem. Perfect. Whatsoever. Perfect. So, in order to get this private video that uh, you know some people would pay very, very good money for, I'm going to give it to you for free. But I'm just going to ask you that you sign up for my newsletter. That's over here on the site, baconwrappedbusiness.com forward slash conversion fanatics. Uh, that'll be in the show notes if you're listening on the uh, iPhone. You just click on the thing, and I'll ask for your email. Uh, I don't spam you. This is just. You know where I can continue to communicate with you, but I will allow you to watch the. I think it's a six, seven, or eight minute, very detailed site critique. Uh, so you can also uh, see exactly how Justin's mind works and the things he's looking at when he is actually critiquing a website. You will also be able to apply a guarantee if you've got a website. Some of the stuff that uh, he says on your own. I've got a big list of notes of things that I have to change as it is. And if you're on uh, the newsletter, I'm going to be doing um, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at how my wife and I have built this brand and the success we're seeing. And if you're interested in that, that's only going to be for my newsletter subscribers. That being said, subscribers, you can also subscribe to the podcast. Just hit the little button if you're on there. I encourage you to check out conversionfanatics.com. And if you're interested in uh, trying some stiletto coffee, all of my... Listeners will get a uh, a great surprise when they enter in bacon and the coupon code, and you'll see the uh, the discount that I'm going to give you. I'll actually be uh, screw the surprise. Twenty five percent off stiletto coffee when you use the coupon bacon. So Justin, thank you very much for being on the show, man. This has been great. You've shared some stuff that kind of opened my eyes, and I hope that anybody listening to this is uh, motivated to read your book call you, get in touch with you, Manish, and the team there, and see if there's, you can help them make some more money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me. Hopefully it was some value. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you very much. And to all my listeners, stay tuned for the next episode. We've got a really cool guest coming up, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Subscribe on iTunes and leave me a review. It makes me happy. All right. Talk to you soon.